Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is Luke chapter 10, where my Bible is opened up. And I will encourage you to be opening your Bible up to Luke chapter 10 as well. That is where we're going to be for the duration of our study this morning. Luke chapter 10, make it really easy on you. Just going to work within this small section of Scripture at the end of Luke the 10th chapter. It is great to see everybody today. So glad that you are here. If you are visiting with us, we're just especially delighted that you've come our way It is a beautiful Lord's Day that we have been granted, and I am just reminded of just what a beautiful thing that God has set up, that we would begin every week in this way, that we would begin our week in worship unto Him, glorifying Him, encouraging one another as the people of God, uh, and being encouraged by one another. I'm so glad that you're here on this Lord's Day. This morning we return to our preaching theme for 2018 as we watch and we listen to, and we sit beside, and we travel with Jesus. There's just nothing quite like observing the best person who has ever walked the face of this earth and learning from Him. And this morning, that journey continues, and it brings us to a little village called Bethany. Read with me in Luke chapter 10. I'm reading here beginning in verse 38. In Luke 10 and in verse 38, Luke records, Now as they went on their way... Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Do you ever feel like there's just not enough hours in the day to get all the things done that you need to do? Do you sometimes wish that maybe you had an extra set of arms to juggle all of the different responsibilities that you have, or maybe a couple extra legs to be able to run and go to all the places that you have to go? Does your life ever feel like it's just this constant cycle of work and school and meetings and practices and games and appointments and travel where every day is run at a frenetic and hectic, go-for-broke, never-get-it-all-done pace, and at the end of all of that, you're just exhausted and fatigued? Describe your life in any way. Welcome to the 21st century. Welcome to America in the 21st century. We live in a busy Busy world, where busyness is the norm. In fact, in some ways, it's almost expected. I mean, come on, that's just, well, that's just the price for living in 2018. It's just gonna be busy. As a result, many people today are living overcommitted, overcrowded lives, where they are stretched too thin and they are stressing themselves out. Does that describe you at all? Do you have a lot on your plate? Is your head just a whirl trying to keep up with all of your comings and goings? Are you maybe even concerned about the length of Josh's sermon this morning? Because you know what? i got some things I need to do this afternoon and he needs to hurry things up. Are you busy? 
If any of those thoughts or any of those questions strikes a nerve with you, then it's a good thing that we're with Jesus in Luke chapter 10 this morning. Because Jesus has entered into the house of a busy, busy woman named Martha. And in the span of just five short verses, Jesus is not only going to diagnose Martha's problem, but He is going to provide the antidote, the cure for the busyness that is afflicting her. And as He does that, He is going to provide the cure and the antidote that you and I need to bring balance to our busy lives even today. Are you interested in learning about that? I know that I sure am. You know, one of the greatest concerns that I have for my brothers and my sisters here at Lakeside, both young and old and everybody in between, is that we just have too many irons in the fire. We all have so many things that occupy our time. So many things that we are doing. So many places that we're going. So, so busy. And my concern is, is that some of us are maybe starting to look a lot more like Martha and a lot less like Mary. And I assure you that I am counting myself in that number as well. Which is why I believe this is a much needed stop in Luke chapter 10. So that we can learn from this visit that Jesus has at the house of Mary and Martha. Now, before we start drawing out all of the important truths that Jesus is going to show us here about busyness, I think we need to take just a moment to, let's get the context, let's set the scene here, let's establish this picture in our minds. Notice first of all, verse 38 says that Jesus was on His way as He entered into this village. Jesus was on His way, you should know, to Jerusalem. To Jerusalem for the final time. He has a number of stops and encounters that he's going to make before he gets there. Like, for example, his encounter with Zacchaeus that we noticed a little bit earlier this year in this series. But he is nearing the end of his earthly ministry. And I would actually have you notice in verse 38 that it says, as they went on their way. Jesus is not by himself. Sometimes in our mind's eye, I think we picture just kind of Jesus walking alone, just kind of going from town to town all by Himself. And while that did happen on occasion, that is not the case here. Jesus had some travel companions, and I need you to make note of that. We'll come back to that a little bit later. And I do find it interesting that it says that Jesus was welcomed into Martha's house. That's indicative that some hospitality was being shown. And I find that interesting particularly because of the parable that just happened just before this. Would you look just above verse 38? That's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you know the story of the Good Samaritan, don't you? That story was told to illustrate what it means to love your neighbor. And as soon as Jesus finishes telling that story, the very next thing that Luke does is he gives us a real-life example of some people loving their neighbor. Mary and Martha, they welcome, they bring Jesus into their home. They take care of Him. They provide for Him. And the reason I point that out this morning is because I don't want anybody leaving here today thinking that Luke 10, 38 through 42 is somehow a, a, a bashing or somehow a derogatory thing about hospitality. Absolutely not. I believe what Martha is attempting to do here on this day 
It was a good thing. Being hospitable is a very good thing to do, and for that she needs to be commended. I would also direct your attention, though, to Mary. Look at Mary in verse 39. Because her posture, where she is there, what's going on in that verse is something that would have been considered shocking, scandalous even, in Jesus' day. In verse 39, it says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. (gasps) She did what? She sat where? She can't do that? Now, Jewish law did not forbid teaching women, but it was entirely unheard of for a rabbi to allow a woman to sit at his feet while he taught. That was just against all of the socially accepted norms and conventions of that day. That just was not a woman's place. And yet, right there, Mary sat. Which is exactly why Martha comes storming in. And she tells Jesus what it is that He ought to be saying while Mary is there listening to what Jesus is saying. All of that then leads to those famous words that Jesus utters in verses 41 and 42. And I would draw your attention specifically to that expression in verse 42 about how one thing was necessary. Lots have been made about that expression, this one thing. What some have said that means is that Jesus is saying to Martha, Martha, we don't need a big banquet. We don't need all kinds of fancy fixings. You don't need to make a big Thanksgiving kind of dinner. Just... Just go make me a sandwich. That's all that's necessary. Just one thing. That's all that I need. But that's not the one thing here. That's not what that means. Jesus is contrasting how Martha has been busy over here with physical things, busy with all this serving, while Mary, on the other hand, is interested in spiritual things. She's interested, as the ESV puts it, in the good portion. That one thing that was needful, that one thing that Mary chose to do was what? It was to listen to the teaching of Jesus. That's the good portion. Listening and hearing the words of the Savior. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in that house. There would have been all kinds of hustle and bustle happening in that scene. But Mary, in all that was going on there, she chose the best stuff. She is sitting at the feet of the Messiah. And she is hearing the Word of God. And that leads right in to the first of these three truths that I think Jesus shows us in this chapter that helps us in beating busyness. Because Jesus wants us to see first and foremost that just because something is a good thing doesn't mean that it's the best thing. I need all of us to just lock in right now on this first truth. Because I think if every one of us, if we could grab a hold of this first principle, I think we would all start seeing some dramatic changes in our lives pretty quickly. For example, this auditorium, I believe, would be filled every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. I believe that our Bible classes would be just packed to the gills. I believe that the parking lot would need to be expanded again. If all of us took this first principle to heart, I believe those kinds of things would happen. You know, why doesn't everyone come back on Sunday night? Why isn't everyone here for midweek Bible study? 
Why wasn't everyone here this morning for the Bible class hour? Well, the answer, the simple and just very plain answer to that is, well, we were doing something else. And in all likelihood, that something else was probably not something sinful or something evil. I don't think that the folks who missed Bible class this morning were out getting drunk. I don't think that's what was going on. And I don't think that 6 o'clock on Sunday evening is the magic hour when people forsake their marriages and go off and commit adultery. No, that's not the something else that any of us are doing. Instead, what is it that accounts for those empty seats from time to time? I'll tell you what it is. It is the fact that our society offers a lot of opportunities to do a lot of interesting things, to do a lot of fun things, even to do a lot of good things. Good things like like kids' sports, baseball, football, soccer, basketball. Those, Those are good things. They are. They provide all kinds of benefits. Learn about teamwork. Develop discipline, physical activity. That's a good thing. And then, of course, young people, there's there's school work. I mean, who's going to say that learning is a bad thing? No, learning, that's a good thing. But, of course, along with that comes, comes homework and projects and studying and cramming for tests. And then what about what about rest? I'm a big proponent of rest. And I know a whole lot about on Mondays. Mondays I crash pretty hard. And I know what it's like to sleep till, till noontime. Gotta get our rest. In fact, I wonder if maybe that counts for some of the folks who maybe weren't here this morning for Bible class. Just too tired. Had been working so hard all this past week. Wasn't able to get up early enough to be here for Bible class. And I'll say, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Rest is good. Rest is something that we need. And so there's all those things, and there's family time, and there's exercise, and things that we do recreationally. There's extra hours that we put in at the office and at our job. Lots of good things that we do to fill our schedules. And it's not evil stuff. It's not wicked stuff. It's not sinful stuff. It's good stuff. But it's not the best stuff. And that's exactly the problem with Martha here in Luke chapter 10. You know, who's going to say that serving is a bad thing? Serving is a good thing. Food, I'm for it, aren't you? And I sure don't want the text to say that Jesus set His face to go to Jerusalem, but He couldn't get there because He kept fainting from hunger. Won't somebody please feed the Lord? No. I'm glad that Martha was there. I'm glad that she was willing to open her home and to serve Jesus. Food, that's a good thing. But Jesus says, Martha, even though I appreciate what you're doing, I appreciate you serving and getting all that food together, that's not as important as you think it is. It's good, but it's not the best. And I think this right here, this is where we really struggle sometimes in our daily walks as Christians. Because you know what? It's really easy to settle for good when what we really need to do is we need to make some hard decisions in our lives and we need to go for what's best. Getting your homework done, that's good. Getting kids in early to bed on a school night, that's good. But you know what? It's not as good as coming together with your brothers and sisters on a Wednesday night to study God's Word together. That is best. 
Or, you know, visiting with your family. Maybe family comes in on a Sunday afternoon. Or maybe getting together with some friends and some loved ones and going out and enjoying a nice pretty day like this and doing that through the afternoon and even up into the evening hours. Hey, that's a good thing. But it's not the best. What's best is to say, hey, we've had a good time this afternoon, but uh, it's getting close to 6 o'clock. We've got to start getting ready. We've got to be back this evening. We're going to come together and sing praises to our God to encourage my brethren, to be encouraged by my brethren. That is better. Don't settle for good when you can go for best. Somebody maybe says, well, you know what? I'd, I'd love to do better with my daily Bible reading. But I'm coaching my kids' softball team and I'm just, just too busy. You know, I'd love to sign up to teach a Bible class. But you know, I picked up all these extra hours at work and I'm doing a lot of extra projects there. Just too busy. You know, I'd love to come to that monthly Bible study at brother or sister so-and-so's house. But you know what? Our weekends are just jam-packed with all kinds of recreation and it just can't fit that in. When are we going to stop? When are we going to stop sacrificing those best things for things that are merely good? Now, let me put just a little bit of balance on this. I realize that there are certain seasons in our life that create greater demands upon our time. When you have a baby for the first time, or even even for the second or the third time, That creates all new responsibilities. And there's a learning curve with there. And it makes your life very, very busy, very, very quickly. I understand that. And I realize as well that there are things that just come up occasionally from time to time. And they demand our immediate attention. And so we're not able to just drop everything else that we're doing and go pursuing after those best things full bore every single time. I get that. But you know what I also realize? I also realize that we often use that as an excuse. Oh, this just isn't a good time for me. I'm just so busy right now. We hide behind those busy schedules and we convince ourselves that, you know what, as long as I'm not off doing something sinful, something wicked and something wrong, well, that somehow is going to exempt me from doing the things that Jesus says are best. What makes us think? That Jesus is going to give us a pass with all of our modern 21st century concerns when Jesus didn't even give Martha a pass and she was cooking him dinner. How's that going to work? In fact, did you notice in verses 41 and 42? Did you notice what the major difference is between those good things and the best things? Look at verse 41 again. Jesus says to Martha, 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 you're all busy. You're anxious, you're stressed out about things that really are just temporal. Things that don't even last. But on the other hand, verse 42, Mary has chosen what is better. Because those are the things that do last. Look at that last expression in verse 42. It will not be taken away from her. What kind of things is that talking about? It's talking about spiritual things. It's talking about eternal things. Now here's the tough question for you and I this morning. Am I busy with a bunch of stuff that is of little consequence in the grand scheme of things? 
Things that when I'm standing before the Lord in judgment just won't matter? Am I busy with that kind of stuff? Or am I busy and consumed with the things that will make a difference in eternity? Those matters of the soul. The better part that Mary chose. This is a question of where is the emphasis in my life? Which leads right into this second truth from Luke chapter 10. And that is that it is really, really easy to mistake a lot of activity. In fact, even a lot of religious activity. It's easy to mistake that for having a real relationship with the Lord. Now, Luke doesn't tell us everything in this story that maybe we would like to know. This account is its short, it's concise, it's to the point. And I really think that's what gives it its punch because it's so sharp and it's so piercing for us just because of its, its brevity. But you have to know that when Jesus made those statements in verse 41 and 42, you have to know that there had to be some people sitting in that room who were elbowing one another saying, what's the deal with Jesus saying all of that? You know, why is Jesus giving Martha such a hard time? I mean, she's really putting herself out here. She's trying to be hospitable after all. Look at how many people she's trying to feed. You know, I said earlier from verse 38 that Jesus was not alone. Remember that? As they went on their way. Let's just take a count here. If Jesus were to come to your house this afternoon for lunch, how many people does that mean you're going to need to feed? Well, you're going to need food for Jesus. That's one. Going to need to feed His 12 apostles. Boom! Now we're all of a sudden up to 13. Going to need food for Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus, 14. Going to need food for Martha and Mary, they're 15, 16. Furthermore, there were people who traveled with Jesus on a full-time basis. Other disciples who were not always mentioned by name, but who were part of that group. So now you're looking at 20, 25 folks, I don't know. Hey, that's a big lunch we're talking about here. And you know what? That kind of meal, it isn't going to just fix itself. This is not set a box of Wheaties on the kitchen table. You grab a bowl, milk's in the fridge, you take care of yourself. That's not how this is. Somebody's got to put this meal together. And so you have to wonder, after hearing these words of Jesus, you have to wonder if Martha's not sitting there thinking, well, that's not fair. Here I am working like a dog in the kitchen trying to get this meal together for Jesus and all of His hungry followers. And what do I get for all of that? I get rebuked. Meanwhile, my sister Mary, she's sitting in there on the floor not doing anything. She gets a gold star. Wow, that's really great. Let's just stop for a moment, Martha. Martha, why is it that you're doing all that serving? Why? Do you want to make this meal for Jesus? Well, because He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's the Son of God. He's not just any visitor. He is the visitor. He is the Savior of the world. Martha knew all of that. But somehow, in the presence of Jesus, it never occurred to her that she ought to be maximizing the opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus and to learn from His teaching. Her desire to make a meal for Jesus and for His company, it actually ended up taking her away from Jesus. You see, there was a lot of activity there, 
But it wasn't activity centered on Christ, on having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Did that ever happen to us? Could, could, could this ever be a problem for any of us? As a preacher, Greg's here today, and I don't know if he'll corroborate what I'm about to say. But as a preacher, I'm afraid that that happens to me more often than I would care to admit. Here I get up early on Sunday morning, get dressed, come here to this church building. This time that's been set aside to focus on the Lord. An occasion for us to be drawn closer to Him. And when I get here, I'm just, I'm just so busy. I'm busy trying to greet everybody. I'm looking across the crowd to see if I can find visitors because I want to go and shake their hand and make sure that they feel welcome. And I'm busy trying to get all the stuff ready for my Bible class. Get all the stuff ready for the preaching. And I'm taking a look around about who's here, maybe who's not here, and I'm concerned that that brother isn't here. I'm busy thinking about a million different things, and as a result, you know, I don't worship very well. I'm ashamed to admit it. There have been times when the brother gets up to lead us in the opening prayer. It wasn't the case this morning, but there have been times in the past. The brother gets up and he's leading us in prayer. He's leading us before the very throne of God. We are standing in God's presence, bringing our petitions to Him. And that's not what I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about the fact that we are before the Lord. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about those three points in my sermon. And whether I was going to be able to articulate those in the best possible way. And so here I am. I've come to serve the Lord because He's so special and He's so wonderful. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And all of my activity that I'm doing, and I'm very busy with activity, it's actually distracting me. It is distracting me from growing closer to Him and deepening my relationship with Him. I am right there in verse 40. I am distracted with much service. And I don't think that's a problem just for preachers. I think it's a problem for all of us. We all have opportunities to minister and to serve, whether that be within the church and within the worship assembly, men, as you prepare and get ready to to lead us in the different parts of the worship. Maybe that's taking part in Bible classes and teaching and assisting in those. That requires lots of busyness and lots of work. Maybe we're ministering and serving in our community as we influence and try to teach others about the gospel. Maybe that's within our homes as we're trying to raise our children to know the Lord and instill the Scriptures deep into their hearts. And as a result, we get so busy with that stuff. We're running food over here to these sick folks. And we're sending cards over here to these folks. And we're cutting stuff out for Bible class. And we're putting materials together. And the next thing that you know... We've completely neglected our personal relationship with Jesus. We've forsaken things like personal prayer and personal meditation and personal Bible study. Those are the daily disciplines that help to deepen our personal relationship with the Lord. See what happened there? We were so busy serving the Lord that we we didn't have time to serve the Lord. Lots of activity going on. Lots of religious activity going on. But we failed to sit one-on-one at the feet of the Master. In fact, watch what happens whenever we lose that as our center and as our focus. When we forget that all of this that I'm doing, it needs to be about Jesus and it's for Jesus and drawing me to Jesus. Look what happens when we forget that. Look at verse 40 again. 
Notice what Martha says to Jesus. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Isn't it interesting to note that Martha is really concerned here about herself? Martha seems to have forgotten who all of this service is for. Martha's busyness has seemingly all become about about Martha. Look at what I'm doing. When am I going to get a pat on the back? Come on, notice me. And when Jesus does not just jump up and down and get all excited about her agenda, she then takes it upon herself to try and correct Jesus. Can you believe that? That's how you know when you've kind of slipped a little bit away when you're starting to correct Jesus. There's a lot of activity going on here. But it is activity without Jesus at its center and at its core. So it's a whole lot of doing, but it is not doing that is leading and drawing Martha closer to the Savior. That's why it's worth us asking questions like, why do we do what we do? I've talked talked about some of those kinds of things today, about some things that we ought to be doing, those better things. Well, why do we do those things? What is our motivation? Talk about coming to church a second ago. Why did you come to church today? Did you come to church today simply because Hebrews 10.25 commands it? Did you come to church today because you had to? Did you come to church? Well, I was down for the opening prayer and I figured I ought to show up today. I didn't want somebody calling me if I didn't show up. Why did you come here today? Why do we do the other things that we do? Why do you pray? Why do you read and study the Bible? Why do you serve and do for others? Those kinds of questions matter because activity, simply for the sake of activity, that's a bust. Just ask Martha. It needs to be activity for the purpose of driving us and pushing us to Jesus because we want to be close to Him. Just ask Mary. All of that then leads to this third and final truth this morning. Maybe what I think is the most penetrating of all of these truths. And that is, if we're going to get a handle on busyness, whether it's busyness in the wrong direction, or even this second one, maybe it's even busyness that's kind of directed in the right direction, then what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to recognize that our priorities, they are a matter of our own choosing. Let's make this very simple. Martha's priority was serving dinner. Mary's priority, on the other hand, was Jesus. I need to understand, you need to understand, that that was not just by accident, that it just kind of happened that way. Those priorities didn't line up that way because of just circumstances beyond Martha's control or beyond Mary's control. That's just the lot that they were dealt. No one forced Mary and no one forced Martha to sit in those particular roles. Their priorities on that day was a matter of individual choice. I know this because of what Jesus says in verse 42. Look at verse 42 again. Jesus says, Mary has chosen. She has chosen the better part. You see, it's a choice. Sitting at Jesus' feet, 
making Him my focus, making Him my priority, that is a choice. Which means that the opposite of that is also true. And here's the one that's going to sting a lot of us. Busyness, folks. Busyness is a choice. And I realize we don't want to say that. We don't want to acknowledge that. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to believe that. What we want to believe is we want to believe that life and all the stuff that's going on in life, well, it just happens to us. You know, I I had to. And then this happened, which led to this, and I couldn't, and all of this was going on, and I was obligated. No, 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 no. Jesus says, you choose. You choose how you live and order your life. You choose how you spend your life. You decide what's going to be most important to you, and then you live your life accordingly. Which means... That if you are anxious and troubled this morning, because you are burning the candle at both ends, then what you need to do, brother or sister, is you need to evaluate the choices that you are making, and then you need to make better choices. That's what Jesus is trying to say to Martha. Martha, make better choices. Your sister has set an example for you. Make Better choices. And I'm going to tell you that if you do that, if you choose that better part, then don't be surprised if all of the Marthas of the world, if they don't understand why you did that. Don't be surprised if the various Marthas in your life, they don't seem to understand why you stopped doing this. And why you cut back on these activities. They're not going to understand that. They're not going to understand why you've decided to devote more time to your personal relationship to Jesus. Sometimes those people, those Marthas of your life, they'll actually get mad at you. They will get mad that you are trying to live by a different set of priorities than them. In fact, many of the people of this world, they think that life... Life's just all about busyness. It's all about pursuing those distractions. Just going here and going there and doing all this stuff all of the time. And so they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it when you decide to make a change in your life and you don't pursue after the things that they do. But you know what? At the end of the day, regardless of what anybody else thinks, we choose the kingdom of heaven. It is our choice. And Jesus says it is the better choice. It is the choice that receives His approval. And just like Mary, when we make that choice, it is the very thing that will not be taken away from us. Now, I have a sinking suspicion that I'm not going to get a lot of compliments about this sermon this morning. I have a feeling that many people here are not going to like this sermon. And you know what? That's okay. I preached a few months ago, sermons are not for liking. Because I'm thankful regardless of what Jesus shows us in Luke 10. I'm thankful for this brief encounter that Luke records for us with Jesus at the house of Mary and Martha. Because you know what? It challenges me. It challenges me to look at my life and to make certain that I'm going for what's best Instead of settling for what's good. It challenges me to make sure that I am not just spinning my wheels doing a lot of religious activity for the sake of religious activity that doesn't actually lead me to Christ. And most importantly of all, it challenges me to examine my priorities 
and then make certain that I am choosing what lasts. Choosing what has eternal value. Are you like Mary? Or are you like Martha? It's really a question at the end of the day. Really only you and the Lord know the answer to that. And if you find that you are more like Martha than you are like Mary, then right now would be a great time for you to do some repenting. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of invitation in just a moment. We're going to sing that song for anyone who needs to come to Christ, to come to Him for salvation, or to come to Him to be restored to a right relationship with the Father in heaven. You know, I'm really glad that Jesus was not too busy for us. I'm glad that He was not just so busy up in heaven, ruling and reigning over the universe, that He didn't have time to come down there and die on the cross for all those wretched sinners. If that had been the case, we would all be lost right now without any hope whatsoever. But thankfully, Jesus did come. He did make the time. He came here to serve as the atoning sacrifice that you and I so desperately needed to set us free from sin, to get us out of the domain of darkness, and yes, even to unshackle the chains of busyness. What a wonderful Savior we have. And if you need this morning to forge a relationship with Him in the waters of baptism, all things are ready for that to happen this morning. Or maybe you need to renew, rekindle, recommit yourself to that relationship, to serve Him in a better way from this day forward, then this opportunity right now is yours for the taking. Why don't you take advantage of it? Do that by coming to the front while we stand and while we sing.